Welcome to The Little Sleep Show, a podcast about helping your children and family get the sleep you need. Hosted by Laura Meyercourt. Hello and welcome back to The Little Sleep Show. I'm your host, Laura Meyercourt, and I'm an infant and child sleep consultant. And I work in a holistic way, which means that I don't work with sleep training methods, but I work with sleep science and supporting you and your child emotionally. On today's show, I want to talk about naps. And naps are a pretty hot topic because they can be really tricky depending on where your child is at developmentally. So I'm going to give you some background on naps and I'm going to lay out some of the most common issues with naps and some potential fixes for them. So why do our children need naps? Research says that one possibility is maybe because of the intense synaptic activity in a child's brain, that children's brains are highly active and they're developing so rapidly that they need more rest. There's another component called homeostatic sleep pressure. And sleep pressure is basically our biological drive to sleep. So after a certain amount of hours, your body just tells you that it's time to go to sleep. That is sleep pressure. So from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to bed, sleep pressure is building. And children can't tolerate longer awake periods like adults can. Naps should be over by 3 p.m. Usually after the first birthday, we want to see that just so we are able to build enough sleep pressure for bedtime. Because if you're not giving your child enough space between that last nap and bedtime, you may have trouble with a child who's protesting bedtime, a child who's laying in their bed for long periods of time and isn't able to fall asleep. You might also have the split night, which is when your child is awake for an hour or two in the middle of the night. And a lot of that can be caused by just a wonky schedule. There's a big need, I think, to get away from the one-size-fits-all schedule and for us to move more towards parents tuning into their child's physiology to determine the amount of naps and what nap times your child should be going down. You know, when I work with a family, I tend to work with awake windows and awake windows is the period of wakefulness from the moment your child wakes up until the moment they fall asleep. And a lot of times these wake windows I can't give you a precise wake window for your child because you are with your child every day and you know your you know your child best. And so observing, you know, within 15 to 30 minutes when your child is at that sweet spot for sleep when they're tired enough to go to sleep but they're not already overtired um, and getting hyper, that's really something that only you as a parent or your caregiver who's with your child throughout the day can observe and then give me feedback so that I can kind of tweak the schedule to the appropriate times for your child. So there's no magic formula to figuring this out. We really need to learn how to tune into our children and watch their cues and watch the clock and see when the right time for our child to go down for their naps are. If your child is showing signs of dropping a nap and they're able to tolerate longer periods of wakefulness, this is a good thing. It's an indication that their brain is maturing. They're able to tolerate longer times being awake. Naps can be challenging. There's less sleep pressure during the day, of course. Those periods of wakefulness are shorter. Children are more easily stimulated throughout the day, particularly if they're going through a developmental milestone. Children who are going through a milestone such as language or walking or crawling or any, anything like that 
their brains are just going to be firing more rapidly because they're learning new skills and their synapses are are connecting. And those children will have trouble. And that's often when you hear the term sleep regression because those children are more easily stimulated or can't wind down as easily during the day because they their brains are kind of on alert, learning these new skills and cementing these new skills within their brains and bodies. Oftentimes they also want to practice these skills when they should be napping. And that's something that, you know, when a child is going through a what is commonly known as a regression, which is actually a progression because they're leaping forward. I tell parents, if you can do it, if your child isn't crying, if they're just in there playing and talking or practicing their crawling, leave them in there and move bedtime earlier to compensate. But by responding to that child who is stimulated and trying to practice their skills during the day, you're kind of reinforcing that waking. And after the progression is over, the waking will still continue because your child knows, oh, if I wake up, if I stay awake during this nap, mom or dad will come in and they'll play with me. And so that's how a sleep regression becomes a sleep challenge. It's often tied to our response as parents. So circadian rhythms, as our child gets older, their circadian process in the brain matures. So it ties sleep more to schedules and to cycles of light and dark instead of how tired they are. And this is why older children don't need to nap because their bodies are aligned with the circadian rhythms, which is light and dark, which tells them when it's light outside, you stay awake. And when it's dark outside, you go to sleep. We all know as parents and as caregivers how important nap time is, not only for our child, but also for us. I mean, I was a nanny for 17, 18 years, taking care of children all day. As fun as it is, it's exhausting. And some days are much more exhausting than others, but it's very hard work. And we need a little break during the day, even if it's an hour. It's just that mental break, and your child needs that too. So the nap is important for parents as much as it is for our child. And so holding on to that nap for as long as we can is going to be a priority. And I'm going to tell you some strategies how to do that today. Another reason that naps can be really challenging is because the conditions need to be just right in order for your child to be able to take long, consolidated naps. And a side note here is that some kids will never be long nappers. There are some children who maybe will sleep a sleep cycle, which is about 45 to 60 minutes. For older kids, it can be 90 minutes. And that's going to be it. Now, that's pretty rare. And if your child is waking up every sleep cycle, there's probably something else going on. If you've noticed that since birth, your child is a short napper, it may be just that your child is a short napper, but maybe something to, at some point, talk to a sleep consultant about if your child is consistently taking very short naps. And if they're less than 45 minutes, that's not even really considered a restorative nap. That's basically just enough rest to get them to the next nap or the next sleep period but it's not actually doing the restorative work in the brain that napping is supposed to do for your child. So back to what I was saying is that the conditions need to be just right. So the room, very important for napping. Your child's room needs to be pitch black, as close as you can get it to pitch black during the day. Because of the circadian rhythms, because of melatonin production, it's so easy if there's even a little bit of light in there for your child to be stimulated by it, for their brain to be stimulated by it, and then nap time is not happening. 
So blackout curtains, blackout shades, black garbage bags on the windows, you know, the blackout window film, whatever you need to get. There's all kinds of things on Amazon that you can get to black out your child's windows. It's really important. This is very key to successful napping. A cool room is also key. Body temperature plays a part in our ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. So if the temperature is too cold or too high, it's going to be really difficult for your child to be able to sleep, especially during a nap when their sleep pressure isn't as high as it is at nighttime. And then quiet. This is a big one during the day and also at night I recommend, but I always recommend that families use a white noise machine or a box fan, something that has some white noise, continuous, that doesn't shut off. This is going to help with any and all noises that happen during the day. And I remember, oh my gosh, so many instances as a nanny where that white noise machine came in so handy. I can't tell you how many families I worked for with construction going on next door and loud. They live, one family lived next to an alley and the garbage trucks would come right at nap time and just dogs barking. I mean, you guys know when you cringe, when you hear noises, when your child is napping, if you have a white noise machine, I've had kids sleep through incredibly loud things with a white noise machine going on just because they're used to it. And so they're able to bridge those sleep cycles together. Now, if you don't have a white noise machine and your child is waking up after 45, 50 minutes, it's probably because it's too quiet in there or something's waking them up at the end of one sleep cycle before it becomes another one. There's a period that's partial arousal and that's when your child is the least into sleep. And so any little thing, light, noise, um, too hot, too cold, will wake them at that time. So right schedule and timing is really important. And I talked a little bit at the beginning about observing your child's sleep cues and sticking to an age-appropriate schedule using wake windows. And you can find information on those things online and look for what wake windows would be appropriate for your child's age. And just Begin with, I say begin with the median time. Now, some things to keep in mind. Let's say your child is is eight months old and the wake windows suggested are two and a half to three hours. So between wake time in the morning and nap one, you want to have the smallest window of a wake time for most children. So you'd have two and a half, two and a half hours or so. And then subsequent naps and bedtime you'd move to the bigger wake window, so about three hours. And again, this is not cemented in stone. You need to follow what works for your child. So if your child is not tired at two and a half hours after morning wake up, then you move it back 15 minutes and see if they're tired at two hours, 45 minutes. It's a matter of observing what your child's behavior is before nap. And also thinking, keeping in mind that the target bedtime let's say it's two hours, 45 minutes, your child should be in bed at two and a half hours. And we like to give children a cushion of about 10 to 15 minutes to be able to fall asleep. If they're taking more than 10, even 20 minutes is a long time to fall asleep at nap time. Your wake window is probably either too small and you need to extend it a little bit so they're able to fall asleep in a in a smaller window. Or you could be starting with an overtired child who's then hyper and has trouble calming themselves. So routine and regularity, you know, having nap times around a regular time each day is really going to help your child's body clock. So it's not only going to help them 
emotionally to feel safe and comfortable that they know what's coming and this is predictable and nap time comes at these times in in the day even though if they can't tell clock time they like to they have things in a similar order every day so that they can predict what's coming but it also helps them biologically it helps their body get ready and their brain signals to them once you start going through that little nap time routine you have even if it's very abbreviated it could be as simple as change the diaper put the sleep sack on read one book and put them in bed. That's That was an example of a nap time routine that I used for many years. And just that little routine, again, it signals to their brain and body, but it also gives them comfort and predictability because they know when that routine starts, they're going to be expected to go down for a nap. Appropriate number, number of naps. This is something I run into a lot working as a sleep consultant is that a lot of times parents will tend to drop a nap too soon So when you see, for instance, um, appropriate age of giving up the third nap between 8 to 12 months, if a child has given up that third nap before nine months, with some exceptions, I want to look at, have you moved bedtime earlier when you drop that nap? Because a lot of times parents don't think about that. They just think, oh, my child needs less sleep. But they actually do need the sleep. It's just they need it at nighttime versus daytime. So I'm going to talk about some common nap problems, and then I'll get back to dropping naps. So some common nap problems, of course, the child refusing the nap is a big one, and there can be many different reasons. This is going to happen a lot of times throughout your child's, you know, different developmental phases and for different reasons. Sometimes it'll be simply developmentally, they can't nap, they're too stimulated. Sometimes it will be rebellion when it comes to toddlers Sometimes it will just be they're having an off day or maybe the the sleep environment is incorrect or maybe they slept too much at night and they're not that tired. There can be many reasons why your child is refusing a nap. If it's happening once in a while, that's that's great. You know, that's normal. Now, if this is happening every day, there's some things that we can look at. Is the timing of the nap correct? And I talked a little bit about this with wake windows, trying to research what appropriate wake windows are for your child and trying to get that timing correct so they're not going to bed too soon, so they're not too awake when you're trying to put them down. But then also, if they're too overtired, their body's already producing cortisol and adrenaline, the stress hormones that are going to push their bodies to stay awake. And then you've missed the window, and it's really hard to calm a child once they're in that overtired, hyperactive state without a lot of tears. You know, the tears are a way for them to, their brains to kind of dump some of that cortisol and adrenaline, which is why overtired children will cry a lot. It's their brains just trying to dump some of those stress hormones out. Is there enough sleep pressure built up? So again, with the schedule, is it too much daytime sleep? Is there not enough time between nap periods? Is one nap way too long? There's certain ages Um, where we start to cap naps, which is we limit the time that the child naps in order to preserve a healthy schedule. And I'll talk a little bit about this when I talk about giving up naps or dropping naps. Some rebellion, again, for toddlers and preschoolers is normal. They are starting to get that autonomy and they're starting to show their willfulness a little bit more or sometimes a lot more. And um Sometimes they'll just rebel against nap time because they'd rather be playing. They'd rather be spending time with you, their favorite person. And this is something that you can just establish a quiet time. If your child doesn't nap, you can just tell them, okay, I see that you're not napping today. If they're, you know, if they're still awake after 15, 20 minutes, 
30 minutes after putting them in bed. 30 minutes is a long time. And a child should definitely be sleeping by then. If they're not, there's a pretty good chance unless you go in and soothe them that they're not going to take that nap. So you can do one of two things. You can get them up. You can soothe them. Actually, you can do one of three things. You can get them up and then just to start the next nap period earlier, like half an hour earlier, you can go in and soothe them. Or you can go in and say, I see that you're not sleeping. We're still going to have quiet time until X time, if your child is old enough to to know what time means. I'm going to put some books in your crib and we're going to have quiet time for 30 minutes and I'll come get you when 30 minutes is up. You can try something like that if your child is older and you're able to have a little dialogue with them. This is just reinforcing the importance of the quiet time and it's also just giving your child the much needed break from the world that they need to be able to get through to the end of the day. If your child is going through the day and they're they're developmentally still need naps and they're not taking naps, you're going to end up with a child who has a lot of trouble coping, uh, trouble with emotional regulation. Tantrums is basically what it's going to be. Clinginess, those are some behaviors you know, you know, when your child isn't napping correctly or not getting enough sleep during the day. It's really hard for them to make it through the day. So we want to enforce that nap time, you don't have to sleep, but it is quiet time and you do need your brain to rest is to the best of our ability. Some kids it's not going to work with at all. Um, some kids, when you go in there and give them books, they're just going to scream. And then you, what you need to do is try to soothe them or start the next nap period earlier or move bedtime earlier to compensate. Always trying to compensate for that missed sleep, even if it's 30 minutes. I'll say 30 minutes is about the max that you want to move your child's nap time or bedtime. If you're moving it way too early, your child biologically, their body just isn't used to that time. And it's going to be really difficult for them to fall asleep, even if they are very tired. Again, having the environment conducive to napping, check your environment. Is it cool? Is it pitch black? Is it continuous white noise or something similar? Telling your child that you're going to rest while they're napping. That's a big one. I used to do that with my kids that I'd nanny for. I'd say, we're all, you know, everyone's going to sleep right now. You're going to sleep. Your little sister's going to sleep. And even I'm going to sleep. I'm going to take a little nap on the couch. And I really think that that helped because especially with two, three-year-olds who would rather be having fun than napping, if they know you're sleeping too, it just takes some of that excitement out of them because they know that there's not a whole lot of fun happening while they're supposed to be napping. And then having that little pre-nap routine, even if it's something really simple, to signal to their brains and bodies that it's time to sleep. Your child escaping the crib, that can happen during nap time. It certainly happened to me with kids that I've taken care of. We definitely like to try to keep your child in the crib as long as possible. So if you're able to turn the crib around, if there's a higher back, so that the higher back is facing the front and then the, the shorter side is facing the wall, that makes it a little more difficult sometimes to crawl out making sure there's nothing in the bed that they can step on, pillows, stuffed animals, trying a sleep sack if you haven't already tried one or something that makes it a little difficult for your child to climb and lowering the mattress as low as it'll go. So those are some things you can try. Some kids are just natural climbers and some kids, if they're a little discouraged, they'll just give up. So it's kind of like trial and error. Now, if your child is around two or older and you've tried everything and they're still falling out of uh, climbing out of the crib, You can try putting a mattress on the floor for them, and that's probably the safest place for them so that they don't have anywhere to fall. Some kids really like rules. 
or will listen to rules, sleep rules, and some kids really like rewards. So you can try something like rules and a sticker chart for staying in bed with some children. If you know your child responds really well to this, then that might be, an, might be enough motivation to at least stretch this for another few months until they mature enough to be able to go into their own bed. What happens when we move children into their own bed too soon is we just see it's it's that much easier for them to get out of bed. It doesn't solve the getting out of bed problem whatsoever. It's just solving the safety issue. Another one is that your child naps for the nanny or babysitter, but not for you. Let's say you have a full-time nanny or babysitter and on the weekends your child won't nap. Talk to your sitter. Be sure that your schedule and your routine is aligning with what your child is used to during the week because that's what they're mostly doing is five days a week, they're following this routine and schedule. And if it's off during the weekend, it's gonna throw their bodies off. Children thrive on regularity, predictability in their schedule, not only for their own peace of mind, but also biologically and physiologically. Kids know that your love is unconditional and they just don't behave as well for you. I certainly know parents used to tell me this all the time. One family nicknamed me the sheriff because the kids behaved so much better for me. And what it is, is you're their safe place and they know that they can let out emotions. They know that they, you know, you'll love them no matter what. And so they try to get away with a little bit more than they would with a babysitter or a nanny. Even if the nanny, like I adored these kids, but they still would try to get away with more with their parents. They would not nap with their parents on the weekend, but they would always nap for me. And part of that was just the regularity, the routine that we had every single day. Also, you're their favorite person. And especially if they don't see you that much all week, they'd so much rather play with you during nap time. You know, it's really up to you how you want to solve this challenge, but definitely making sure of regularity. And then after that, if you're okay with laying down with your child while they nap so that they're able to get a nap, if you have the time to be able to do that on the weekend, go ahead and do that. You're not going to mess anything up. And you're also taking the time to lay and bond with your child. So if you have the time to give, I encourage you to do that. And it will definitely help your child sleep for the most part. There's some kids who will just be more stimulated by mom and dad. I'm going to talk about giving up a nap. This is something that comes up a lot with clients. So I talked a little bit about it earlier that a lot of times um, clients come to me and I see in their schedule that the child has dropped a nap too soon for them. So the minute the child starts showing signs that they're not taking, let's say their first nap, if they're, you know, seven or eight months old, all of a sudden they're having trouble with that first nap. Well, parents dropping that nap and not moving the bedtime forward to compensate, they're going to end up with a severely overtired child. And then the problems just stem out from there. You're going to have night wakings. You're going to have early morning wakings. Um, It can really turn into a disaster dropping the naps nap too soon. So I I and a lot of my fellow sleep consultants, we really try to hold on to naps as long as we can, even adding naps back into a schedule temporarily for some families. Some signs that your child may be ready to drop a nap is that your child's naps have gotten shorter or your child cries a lot more or takes longer to go to sleep. And this is coupled with being at the appropriate age and your child isn't sick or teething or anything like that that could be causing your child to be upset at nap time and not want to go to sleep. 
making sure your environment and all that, all those other things are aligned. And if everything else is aligned and this is still happening and your child's at the age, then you know that they're getting ready to drop a nap. If your child consistently refuses, they'll take the first nap, but let's say they then they don't take their second nap or their third nap then that's a really good sign that your child is getting ready to drop a nap. If the third nap causes bedtime to be pushed too late or your child isn't tired enough at bedtime, this is a big one. I'll talk about this in a minute, but definitely shortening that third nap to a cat nap before we completely get rid of it is a great transition and it works for a lot of families. If your child is awake for long periods during the night, split night, this can also be a sign that your child is ready to drop the nap, that daytime sleep is off and timing is off during the day can lead to long periods of wakefulness at night. And then early rising. Again, it's just too much daytime sleep is happening and their schedule is off and we need to shift it to something more age appropriate. Those wake windows really do matter and they really do make a difference. So how to drop a nap. Consider that your child might need more naps one day than another. And this is coming back to the attunement that I was talking about earlier. And if not, hopefully you have a caregiver who is attuned to your child and is willing to pay attention to the days when your child just is not going to make it with one nap. And they're able to lay them down for, say, a 30-minute, 40-minute cat nap just to make it through. Shortening the extra nap, the third nap, or the first nap. So if your child is taking three naps, we wanna try shortening that third nap first. We wanna shorten it to 30 minutes, then 20 minutes, then 15, et cetera, if your child still needs that nap to make it to bedtime. And if you're finding that on the days when your child is refusing that nap, they're making it to bedtime okay, you definitely don't need to even worry about shortening the nap, just get rid of it. Now, we do, whenever we're dropping a nap, and I did mention this, We do want to move bedtime earlier by 15 to 30 minutes. If you want to move it incrementally, I would say move it 15 minutes the first night and then 15 more. Usually about 30 minutes is what we're looking for to compensate for the lost nap time and to keep the wake windows from being too large. So again, this is something where you have to kind of pay attention to your child's age-appropriate wake windows and plan accordingly so that bedtime is not too late from where the last nap of the day ended up. For two naps to one nap, you want to move that first nap back 15 minutes every day and then 15 minutes and then leave it for a day or two or three and then move it back another 15 and see if your child can handle it. And yes, you're going to have a child who is going to bed when you drop down to one nap. Sometimes children just can't handle staying awake for long periods and you might have a child going down for a nap at 11 o'clock. Now, eventually you're going to be able to stretch that and push that but it's going to have to be done incrementally and you are then going to have to pay attention to the wake windows for your child and move bedtime much earlier. So we don't want, for instance, a child who is, um, let's say, 15 months old and they are working on dropping that down to one nap. We don't want them awake at the end of the day. Let's say their nap is 11 to 1230 we don't want that wake window to be till like 7 or 7.30 at night. We're going to move that bedtime way up so that the wake window is shortened to something age appropriate. With two naps, your child should be, you should be aiming for a bedtime between 6 and 7 p.m. And a child who's old enough to have one nap, bedtime should be anywhere between 7 and 8 p.m. And again, checking the wake windows to be sure that you're allowing enough time between the nap and bedtime to build sleep pressure. 
Now, I do advocate for waking children up from naps and capping naps. I mentioned this earlier. And a lot of other sleep consultants do this because if you let your child take a three or four hour nap at age three, there's a really good chance they're going to be awake for a long time at bedtime or they're going to be waking up in the middle of the night and having that split night occur. So once your child's getting ready to drop all the naps, give them a quiet time with a timer if you if they need it, if they need the motivation to stay in their room. Some kids will be able to stay in there no problem. Some kids, a timer really helps and you can get just a digital timer from Amazon and leave them in there to have quiet time and get, you know maybe have certain toys that are saved just for quiet times. They're quiet toys, put them in a little box and have some books and some quiet toys that they play with only special at that time. And let them know that you'll come and get them when quiet time is up. And you'll find that a lot of times these children will take naps some days. It's a great tool because your child's body will just naturally let them take naps on the days they're still tired. So if your child is between, you know, age two and four, I would definitely, and and showing signs of not wanting to nap at all, I would definitely implement the quiet time because your child at that age really does still need at least some rest or quiet. And they may also just be going through a developmental period where they're more stimulated during the day. And if you implement this quiet time, once that developmental milestone is over, they'll go back to their nap schedule. So really caution against dropping a nap too soon. Try and rule out all the factors that could contribute to disrupting naps. And then try different little things to get them to take some quiet time. So this should give you some starting points to investigate possible causes why your child may be resisting naps or just having trouble staying asleep for long periods of time during the day. This is kind of like a troubleshooting guide to naps. And of course, if problems persist, then you may need to contact someone like a sleep consultant to help you solve more complicated challenges. I encourage you to check my page on Instagram at Nest Family Sleep. On there, I post different tips and stories about helping your child sleep in a holistic way. And that means taking care of your emotional well-being, their emotional well-being, as well as focusing on the sleep science. Some of that we talked about today. My reflection for this week is... Thinking about yourself and how you take care of yourself. We know our children need rest and downtime, but do you give yourself rest and downtime? It's so important as a parent to be able to give yourself what you need so that you can then parent from a place of that you can parent from a place of attunement to your child and mindfulness to the best of your ability rather than a place of reactivity as a parent. And I've certainly done my fair share of both, but I have learned that when I take better care of myself, even if it's for my two minutes of meditation I do in the morning, that absolutely helps me to be a better parent. So even two minutes a day, taking two minutes a day to do some breath work or some meditation will absolutely help you to be a more present and attuned parent. And it'll also help you tune into yourself because You know, we are so busy today as humans, but especially as parents, that it's really easy to just kind of push the way we feel down until 
eventually that feeling does come up to the surface. And a lot of times it's our children who can take the brunt of that because, or, or our spouse or our partner, because those are the people closest to us. So my challenge for you this week is just to ask yourself, where do I get my time to pause and to rest? And if you don't, where can I add in two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes to my day so that I'm able to fill my cup a little bit and then I'm able to pour it out for others. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. I really look forward to talking with you again soon. Join me for a new episode every Tuesday. Remember to be kind to yourself because we're all just doing the best we can. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, follow us on Instagram and Facebook for tips on sleep and a whole lot more. See you next week.